Friday, we remembered, well, some of us remembered, uh, St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, he is well known for being uh, the patron saint of birds and bird baths, uh, which is a little demeaning, but um, that's pretty much it, really, for many people. That's what they know Francis to be about. And yet this little crazy man had a profound effect on the Western Church and continues to have a profound effect on Christianity throughout the world. If you were to go to many places where there is injustice, oppression, uh, you will find Franciscans at work. And Franciscans International is one of the groups who advocate for uh, those who are, well, being put upon, really, um, justice advocacy at the United Nations, particularly in Geneva, where the human rights work is all done. Uh, and they are a vehicle for all sorts of groups to have a voice at the United Nations. And they are well known and well respected for their work. And they're well known and well respected because they can bring stories from where, those, where the United Nations commissions are talking about. People who actually work in those situations, work among the people they're talking about, and they can come and give very good, brief, because they have to be brief, presentations about what is happening on the road. Francis is somebody who's clearly special for me. Uh, I belong to a religious order, and that order is about walking in the footsteps of Francis, who walks in the footstep, footstep, footsteps of Christ. So what does that mean? Well, I want this morning to uh, tell, uh, well, this is just a little bit about who he is. So there he is, preaching to the birds. That's when he lived and died. Uh, he is one of the, he's quite unusual, because usually the days we remember a saint is the day he died. But Francis, we, rem, we celebrate his day the day after he died. Uh, he's also one of the few saints who's known by his nickname, not, not his baptised name. So his bap, baptised name was Giovanni, or John. Uh, and Francesco means Frenchy. His mother was French, and he loved all things French, including the French pop music of the time, uh, which we would call troubadour music. Uh, and because of that, he was called Frenchy, and that nickname stuck even uh, when he became a saint. You have to hunt around to find out what his real name was. And that's just to show you where Assisi is, which is kind of in the middle of Italy there. It's just a small little city... It wasn't very significant. No one paid much attention to it uh, until Francis came. Francis himself didn't set out to do anything spectacular. He simply set out to do what he thought God was calling him to do, which initially was to rebuild churches. Uh, so he rebuilt churches, and that's what got him into trouble with his father because uh, he sold his father's cloth to pay for this enterprise. His father really didn't want his cloth sold so he could rebuild churches. Uh, so that led to a parting of the ways and, uh, and eventually led to Francis embracing Lady Poverty in a very dramatic way. In the end, we could say that Francis wasn't really called to rebuild physical churches and there are a number of churches around uh, Assisi which he rebuilt. Uh, he was called to rebuild the church. And the esteem that he has held in, in the Catholic Church is 
are seen by the way that his image appears in all sorts of churches across Europe, including St. Peter's. And if you go up the front of St. Peter's and have a look at the scene of the crucifixion of Christ, you will see Francis off to one side. <coughs> Today I want to talk about two of the... Two, there are many. That previous icon has quite a number of stories, and there are any number of stories I could tell about Francis. But I want to talk about two stories in particular. The first one uh, it was actually occurs before he embraced lady poverty and wore the robes of the beggar. Uh, although just about every picture depicting it shows him in the robes of the beggar. Uh, it's not quite clear when it's set, but some people say it occurred uh, as he was riding home from visiting Rome. He had gone to Rome uh, for some kind of spiritual inspiration. And in visiting all the great churches, listening to all the great sermons, going to all the services, he hadn't found that inspiration. The closest he'd got was when he had swapped clothes with a beggar for a day. And the beggar had kind of lived it up uh, in the wealthy man's clothes, because Francis was a wealthy man, and uh, did live the life of a playboy. Uh, and Francis had a great day begging, which he thoroughly enjoyed as a precursor of what was to come. But as, uh, So one of the versions of the story says that as he rode home from Rome, disappointed... Uh, he was riding up the Via Francesca, which is the road to France, and, uh, and came past a place where there was a leper hospital. Now, lepers were hideous and disgusting people. They were slowly dying. They were rotten because they'd lost the nerve endings, and so they did all sorts of damage to themselves without realising it, and so they stank. And any normal person would avoid them like, well, like the plague. And Francis normally did. When he went past that place, he rode on the other side of the road, facing away from the hospital, trying not to breathe the air, getting past as fast as possible, like any sane person would do. But on this occasion, he felt called to stop, to get off his horse, and to embrace the leper that stood there. Not only did he embrace the leper, but he kissed him and then gave him a coin. Now, there are various versions of what happens after that, but the one I like is Francis got back on his horse and continued to ride down the road, and he turned to look back at the leper to see if he was still there, and the leper was gone, and in his place stood the crucified and risen Christ. Now that was a very significant event in Francis's life. Francis himself says it was the most significant event in his life. We talk about other events, the crucifix talking to him, hearing the gospel on St. Matthias Day. But Francis said this was the event that changed his life. He then went and spent uh, many, a lot of time actually ministering in the leper hospital, which again was unheard of because that opened you up to getting leprosy, to being ostracised like they were. And all his early brothers were also under holy obedience uh, to minister in that leper hospital. What was the profound reason that Francis did that? Well, at one level, he learnt 
to love even the most despised and feared people. There were no more feared and despised people in all of Europe. They were the lowest of the low. They were beyond reach. They were beyond God's reach. They were beyond God's love. But Francis learned to love even them. And more surprisingly to him, he found love in return. These smelly, dying, horrible people, he encountered God's love through them. More than that, he encountered Christ in them. And that's why he made his brothers minister among them. So that they could find Christ even in lepers. If you can find Christ in lepers, if you can experience God's love even in lepers, then you can experience God's love anywhere. And Francis did even in the sultan of the Muslim army. The second story is the wolf of Gubbio. Now there was a town, Gubbio, that was terrorised by a large wolf, a fierce wolf that ate their livestock, terrorised the shepherds. The townsfolk had tried to kill the wolf and they couldn't, so eventually they asked Francis to come and to shoo the wolf away. Make it go and terrorise somewhere else. So Francis came. His bold and brave brother said, uh, Father Francis, you can go out and talk to the wolf. We'll stay with the villagers and keep them calm. So Francis was deserted and off Francis went on his own. He eventually found the wolf and under holy obedience told the wolf not to eat the livestock and not to terrorise the townspeople. And then, under holy obedience, he ordered the wolf to accompany him back to the town. The townspeople were not very happy about this. They did not want the wolf in their town. They wanted the wolf far, far away, terrorising somebody else's town. So they weren't happy with Francis at this point. This was not part of the plan. But Francis brought the wolf into the town. And he said to the townspeople... This wolf will no longer eat your sheep, and it will no longer frighten you, but you have to feed it, and you have to look after it. Well, they weren't happy about that, but that was the bargain. In time, they learned to love that wolf. And when the wolf died... There was great mourning in that town. This large beast, which they had feared and loathed and despised, became for them something to be loved and looked after. Pretty similar to the story of the leper. Today we heard quite an interesting gospel reading, and I've written a little bit about it in the pew sheet. Francis got, like, we really struggle with that gospel reading because we're not really sure what it's about. But I think Francis got to the heart of what that gospel reading was about. Francis knew at the core of his being that he was no more worthy of God's love 
than any other person or any other creature on earth. In fact, he called himself the greatest of all sinners. Now that seems a little weird to us because we would number him as the greatest of all saints. But for himself, he saw nothing commendable in himself. He saw nothing that was deserving of God's love. Because God's love was too great and too undeserving. So what were the disciples asking for today? Well, they were saying, we want to do great things and we want to be held in great esteem. So grant us the faith to be able to do that. And most of the commentators I, said, I read said, actually, faith isn't something you can measure. You either have it or you don't. It's kind of like being pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You either have faith or you don't. And Jesus' example of what you can do when you have faith is silly. I mean, Jesus didn't go around uprooting mulberry trees and planting them in the sea. There's no point to that. And in a way, Jesus is mocking his disciples. What are you hoping to do with all this great faith? Why do you want it? Do you want to be acclaimed by everyone? Do you want people to kind of come out the doors and clap you and say what wonderful people? You are simply servants of God, doing what God asks you. That's enough. It was enough for Jesus. It was enough for Francis. When he was reviled and despised, when he had things thrown at him, which happened quite a lot because he was quite smelly as well, he called it perfect joy. What would we call it when we are reviled, when people disagree with us? We don't call it perfect joy. We don't see that as a good thing. But Francis saw it as a good thing. It meant for him that he was actually living out the gospel. Francis recognised that living out the gospel is not a popular thing. It's an unpopular thing. So today we remember Francis of Assisi. This is one of his great sayings. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. There are a whole lot of people that don't like that saying because they think preaching the gospel is all about using words. And they think he was cheating by not using words. I think those people that say that have no idea who Francis is or quite why how he lived out the gospel. They wouldn't be able to even begin to do what he did. He is somebody who changed the Catholic Church almost overnight. He is somebody who still inspires people to give up everything and to live amongst the poorest, the most despised, and to offer God's life and hope. So today, as we think about Francis, who is it that we fear and loathe and despise? How do we find God's love in those people? How might we love them? What would it take for us to see the face of the risen Christ in them?